been sharing on a whole series lately since the beginning of the year. Pastor Andy shared on, uh, we had, a, we had a one Sunday morning where we had the vision um, and um, Pastor Andy shared on the vision for the church for the year ahead. And the, and the title of the series is called Running Our Best Lap Yet, that we are in a race, that we are going to run as believers, we're going to run our best lap yet. And with that in mind, we're going to look at our foundation scripture, which is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And he goes on in verse 2, and he tells us how to do it. We're not going to look at it now, but he says, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our race, and what Jesus starts, he finishes. So Hebrews chapter 12, he says, let us lay aside every weight. In other words, let us throw off everything that hinders. We cannot go through life carrying a backpack of worries and of encumbrances and things that wear us down, that will slow us down, it will trip us up, it will tire you out. So over the last couple of weeks, we've looked about laying aside sin, laying aside shame, laying aside our past, and we're going to look, we're going to carry on. Then last week, we started about do not worry. We looked about laying aside worry. And so we read, we're not going to read the whole scripture, but if you go back and you listen, it's on the website and on the app from Matthew chapter 6, a whole, se- a whole message about do not worry. And so for Matthew, we're just going to pick it up a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 6 today, verse 31 to 34. So this is kind of the foundation for today's message. Jesus speaking, he says in verse 31, therefore do not worry do not worry. And I'm looking at certain people. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? How many ladies today maybe said, I've got nothing to wear. What am I going to wear? I know it happens to me every single day, and I've got a wardrobe full of clothes. But what do we, why do we worry? For after all these things, the Bible says, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And he goes on, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So if you go back and you look at Matthew chapter 6, in verse 25, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink. And he's speaking there about provision, and that is last week's message. And I thought it was very good. Who enjoyed last week's message? Let's see. Yes, come on, people. I'll pay you later. Thank you. But in verse 28, Jesus says, do not worry about your clothing. Speaking there about protection. And then, do not worry about tomorrow. Talking there about preparation for future eventualities. So last week, we looked at some of the effects of worrying, and we're not going to go into all of that. You can just Google 
What happens when I worry? There's lists of what things of an impact that worrying has on our lives. But Jesus said in, in one of these scriptures, he says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Worrying doesn't make us taller. And in fact, the New Living says, which of you can add, which by all your worrying can add a single moment to your life? It can't make you live longer. Worrying doesn't make you taller. And all the vertically challenged people in the congregation said, Amen, sister, preach it. <laughs> yes, Ronell. <laughs> Those who are shortest laugh the most. But cost, but but we, we have but worrying doesn't add from us. It doesn't add to us. It depletes us. Worrying weighs us down. And we see in other scriptures, Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight, Jesus invites us, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who labor, all of you who worry, and I will give you rest. We saw last week, 1 Peter 5 verse 7, the Apostle Peter says, cast your cares onto him, for he cares for you. God loves you. He cares for you. He says, give me your burdens, Let's have this exchange. Give me your worries. Give me your concerns. Give me your burdens. I care for you. I love you. I don't want you to go through life burdened, weighed down. But he says, instead he says to us, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, and as you seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. You know what? God's not into depleting us. He's into completing us. What he starts in our lives, he finishes. All we've got to do, one thing, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his way of doing things, his righteousness. So last week we looked about laying aside the weight of worry, what we'll eat or what we'll drink, God's provision. This week we're going to look about looking at another aspect of laying aside the weight of worry, what you will wear, okay, but not actual physical clothing. We're not going to actually talk today about clothing, but, it's, but clothing speaks of vulnerability, and it speaks of ex being exposed and our need for God's protection. And I think it's such a timely message. We're going to open, we're going to visit, we're going to stay probably for the rest of this message in Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is the psalm of protection. We need, in these days, more than ever, we need to be aware that we can draw from God's protection. So with that in mind, get ready. If you've got your Bible with you, I would encourage you, open it and keep it open at Psalm 91. We're going to go, we're going to live in there a little bit today. But we're going to read it 16 verses long. Let's read it. The psalmist says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. 
He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. It's like Ukraine. This is about the Ukraine in today's world, isn't it? Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge concerning you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, capital M, this is God speaking. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a beautiful, beautiful word of God. And it's a topical word. It's a timely, this is suitably timed word. It's a word in season for the season that we are in right now. And we're going to break it down bit by bit. So bear with me. We're going to go on a bit of a journey today, but allow God to just speak into your life today. He starts off in verse 1. So if we go back to verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells, to dwell means to live in, to abide in, to settle in. It actually also means to sit, to sit. So it's you're seated in the heavenly places. We are, um, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ, but this is, it's, it, it depicts a, a, an image of permanency, it's not a, just a drive-through. We're not just going through like McDonald's. You know, hello God, high five me, and there I'm on my way. No, God invites us to dwell, to habitually and purposefully and permanently reside in his shelter, in his care, in his word, in his very presence. And I love this. It's, it's, it's talking about a lingering in, his mo in, in this moment. There's a lingering that takes place. It's about being comfortable in his presence. It's about positioning ourselves for protection. He says, he who dwells. God's not forcing us to dwell, but it's, it's a willingness. It's a willingness on our part. Lord, I'm, I'm surrendering myself to you. Uh, today, I choose to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. 
God doesn't force his way on me. He, he doesn't just say, well, that's it, you're born again, therefore the, everything's just by default. No, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Secret place. It sounds a bit mystical, doesn't it? What's a secret place? It actually means a hiding place. It's a shelter. I love that. Psalm 119, verse 114. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's loads and Go read it this week. It's a fantastic psalm. It says, you, God, you are my hiding place and my shield. God is our hiding place. He who dwells in the secret place is um, of the Most High. Verse, uh, psalm 61, another psalm. We could be here forever. I'm so glad. You can be glad I've got a timer going. But it says in Psalm 61, for you have been a shelter for me. God has been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. He says, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. That doesn't mean we're going to come to the community center forever, although every Sunday the Bible says don't forsake the fellowshipping of the saints, people. But he, I will abide in your, table. It's a, in your tabernacle forever. It talks about his presence, to become aware of God's presence. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. And there's that beautiful word, selah, pause, and think about it, meditate on it. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Throughout the book of Psalms, five times, we read about the shelter of his wings or the shadow of his wings. And it's each time it's speaking about God's protection. I, I was just reminded this morning, I prepare my messages and then I go over it in the morning and then I get like so much extra stuff. That's why I never run, that's why I always run out of time because God just shows me stuff as I'm waiting on him in the morning. And I just think of John 14, verse 2, where Jesus says that in my Father's house are many mansions, but he goes on and he says, but where I am, there you may be also. There you may be. I just want to be where Jesus is. If if Jesus isn't in something, I I don't want to be in it. I don't want to be involved in something that he's not involved in. I want to be where he is. I want to be where he is. And it just also reminded me as well this morning of of the children of Israel as they were going through (coughs) Exodus, as they were going through the wilderness. You know, God um, produced a miracle. You know, this, this pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. That was God's protection. It was his leading. It was his protection upon the children of Israel. So where God goes, I want to go. I want to go wherever he goes. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, shall remain under the shadow of the Almighty. You can't get closer than a shadow. When you're in somebody's shadow, you're right up close, aren't you? You're close to that person. You can't get much closer than that. And it just reminded me of the the account of Mary when she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter uh, 1, 35, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power, the power of the highest will overshadow you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. 
This is the God whom we're going to draw close to, that we're going to dwell in his presence. I will say, verse 2, he goes on, he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. The Amplified says, he's my hiding place. He's my fortress. He's my stronghold. My God, I will lean on him. I will cling to him. I will rely on him. I will trust in him. And I love the fact, verse 1, if we look at verse 1, it talks in the, first, in the third person. He's saying, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the, of the Almighty. That's the, called the third person in grammar. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. It's called third person, right? Verse 2, it becomes first person. It's like the author we're not sure who wrote this. We're not sure whether it was David or Moses, whoever it was. It's like he interjects and he goes into the first person. He says, I'll say of the Lord. You're talking about he who dwells. You people, you dwell in the secret place. But then next verse he goes in and says, I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. He had a revelation of what he had need of. God, I have need of you. He goes from third person to first person. He can't help but in interact his own thoughts in the midst of penning this, this psalm. I think it's so wonderful. And I don't believe you can actually separate verses 1 and 2. They are conditional. These, these two verses are, are conditional on abiding in him. If we're not abiding in him, if we're not remaining in him, if we're not knowing, in, knowing him, it can be quite easily, quite easy to speak words of doubt, fear, and unbelief. But instead he's saying, he who dwells in the secret place, and then he says, I will say of the Lord. He doesn't say, I will say of my circumstances. Look how big my circumstances are. He says, I will say of the Lord. I will magnify the Lord because I've been dwelling in that secret place with him. So how do we know that we, how could we, can we say like that guy, Moses or David in verse two, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. How do we know that we are trusting God? And I love the way he's, the, the Bible is so self-explanatory. It's by the words that come out of our mouth by the words that come out of our mouth. We can say that everything's going hunky-dory. We can say everything's going fine. But put us under a little bit of pressure. Oops, what comes out of our mouth? Because what is, comes out of our mouth shows us what is actually in our heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith has to be in two places. Faith has to be in your heart and in your mouth. That's, that's what faith is. That's why the psalmist can say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Faith is not about a mantra. Okay, faith is not, um, if I say this often enough, if I repeat this over and over and over, then I, then I believe it. 
That is, faith is not a mantra. The Bible says that we confess, we believe in our heart, and we confess in our mouth. We've got to get that faith. We've got to get that head knowledge. We've got to get it to drop 18 inches from our head into our heart. When we're reading that word, let it drop into my heart and let it germinate and let it grow within my heart. And then, oops, when pressure comes, what's in my heart? That's what's going to come out. Okay. So we just, even Chris mentioned this morning, about doing a spiritual MOT. You know, sometimes you don't know there's things wrong until you go for your MOT. And sometimes we need a bit of a faith MOT. Listen to what's coming out your mouth. Okay, you'll be shocked. I mean, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody, but sometimes things pop out of my mouth. I say, Where, where's that come from? Oh, it's in my heart. It's in my heart. I need to do a little checkup. What's going on inside of me? Because whatever's coming out of your mouth determines what's in your heart. Listen to the Psalm, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. Oh, that's it there. Yes, sorry, I was waiting. That's the exact Psalm. Thanks, Chris. Psalm 56, the Psalmist David says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What a beautiful scripture. Whenever I am afraid. This was written by David when he was being hunted down and he, he was actually captured by the Philistines in Gath. And they were huge in number. And they were not very nice people. In fact, they were pretty barbaric. At times, it sounds like they actually almost wanted to be like cannibals. They wanted to devour him at times, by the sounds of it. And David was afraid. He says there in verse 3, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. He was afraid. He was hopelessly outnumbered. He was hopelessly outnumbered. But he chose to trust God and his word. He was afraid. You know, I think sometimes we think we're not allowed to get afraid. You know, bind fear, and that's absolutely right. God's word says that perfect love casts out fear. But being afraid is, a, is an emotion. And so, but do not give in to fear. It's okay to be, af to be afraid. But we don't have to put on a brave face. We don't have to be full of bravado and say, you know, war, what war? We don't have to be like that. But this is why we need faith. And I love what David says there. He says, I will praise his word. I will praise his word. David would praise the word of God. He looks to the promises of God. So this might be happening in my life, but what does the word of God say? God says that I will deliver you. I will honor you. I will, I will rescue you. And I'm going to choose to believe God's word. I'm going to choose to believe God's word. You know what? We can read this Bible we can read this Bible, and, and the Bible can say something, and you can read it and you think, okay, yeah, all right, that's what the Bible says. We, we don't, it's not just a historical document. This, is, this, this Bible is written to inspire faith. And we can read a word, but as long as it's just in black and white on these pages, it's what the Bible calls is a logos word. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a word. It's a, it's, it's a written, written word. But what happens is, when you're reading your Bible, and then suddenly, 
not literally, but sometimes almost literally, a scripture will jump off the page. That scripture just like, this comes alive. It comes alive to you. That's called a rhema word. That's called a rhema word. It's when, it's when God takes this logos word and he's like he breathes his breath on it. It's full of life. It has meaning to you. It means something. God is speaking to you through his word. Then you know you're not going to go off into some crazy um, ditch somewhere, okay? You're going to stick to what God says. This is his word. It's his rhema word. And rhema actually means spoken, spoken word. It means when you get, so when you get a word from God, speak that word out. Like the psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. In him I will trust. That is a rhema word when the Spirit of God just gives life to that Logos word. Okay. So it's okay to be afraid. We don't need to put on a brave front, but we can stand in faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We need our faith to overcome. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a fallen world. We aren't living in the Garden of Eden. We are living in a fallen world. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are not exempt from trouble. We are not exempt. It's not like, well, you know, problems, what problems, fall, what fall. No, we are all, we are, none of us is exempt from trouble and trials. And just because you walk by faith, and, and we've been saved for 30 years, and I praise God for that, because it's not by our good works, it's by the grace of God. But we've been trying, you know, we, 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 we learn as we go along. And, and, and God, we've been walking this faith walk for 30 years. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And we don't look to what is seen. We look to what is not seen. These, this, is, this, is our, this is our life. This is, what, this is what we do. But just because we walk by faith, it doesn't mean we don't have trials. We still have trials. We still have problems to confront. We are not exempt. I can list loads of scriptures. I'll list you. I'll give you four. John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus speaking, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Okay, is everybody encouraged so far? Okay, you're going to have trouble. Okay, James 1, 2. My brethren, he's talking to the church. Count it all joy when, not if, you fall into various trials. You're going to fall into trials. It's not a matter of, of if, it's when. Romans chapter 5 in the Amplified, verse 3. I love the scripture. Well, to a degree, it's actually quite awful. <laughs> it says, let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. Hello, how can we exult and, exult and triumph in our troubles? Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing the way we do it is because we know, the Bible goes on, that pressure and affliction and hardship produces stuff 
in our lives. It produces patient and unswerving endurance. Well-known scripture, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So we are not exempt from difficulties, but we're going to keep running our race. We're going to keep, we're going to run our best lap yet. We are not exempt. We are not living in a playground. I don't know if you realize this. A.W. Tozer, he wrote, a, he wrote a book on this, that we're not in a playground. We're in a battleground. You know, we might not be living in the Ukraine, where the Ukraine is experiencing physical war, a physical, actual battle. But we too are in a war. We are in a war. The, the, the Bible says, you know, well, the Bible doesn't say this, my notes say this, but the devil doesn't go around, you know, masquerading with like, in a little red suit with horns and a pitchfork. But the Bible does say that he masquerades like an angel of light. He looks good. He looks good. He looks okay. But he masquerades as an angel of light. But and he, at times, he can, he can come and pull up a chair at your table and say, oh, you see, Chris ignored you this morning. You deserve more than that. You deserve better than that. That woman over there, she looked at you a bit skew. You know, I wouldn't talk to her. I'd dismiss her, get rid of her out of your life. That's what the devil does. He comes and fills his deception and his lies into our minds. But we have to be aware of the enemy's devices. We have to fight the good fight of faith. Why is it a good fight? Because we win. We win the good fight of faith. But it's a choice. We can either live in fear or we can live in faith. Or we can take him at his invitation dwell in the secret place of the Most High, under his shadow. Dwell, sit in that secret place. He, the Bible says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, big hint, he says, choose life. Choose life. Let's choose that even when we're in trouble, even when we have difficulty, even when the attack is on, because the attack does come, that we're going to choose to walk in God's ways. We're going to choose to do things his way. We're not going to go we're not going to go off at a tangent somewhere else. And I love the fact in Psalm 91, I can't believe where the time has gone, my word, but Psalm 91, it says, you know, on the one hand, he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, the one minute. Then the next minute, he's talking about that you'll not be afraid of the terror by night and the arrows that fly by day. It's almost like a dichotomy. But one minute you're saying there's this, and then the next minute you're saying that. But that is the reality. Life is not a bed of roses. In a bed of roses, you've got thorns. You've got thorns. And we need to overcome things. In life, God is our protector. It doesn't mean, because he's our protector, that we don't have things that we need protection from. Psalm 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of this. I'm just trying to find where can I come into land. I love this. In Psalm, Psalm 91, in verse, can you pick, pick it up there, Chris, in verse 3? Uh, sorry. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you 
from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You know, that talks about a hidden danger. That talks about a, a snare of a fowler. A snare is a trap. A fowler is something, is a person that catches birds in the Bible. Why would you want to do that? But anyway, but, but the snare of the fowler is a trap. It's a hidden trap. And God can protect us from those hidden traps. He shall, but he says he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He doesn't remove the snare. He doesn't remove it. But he will deliver you from it when you get caught in it. Uh, you know, just in prep for this, I remember an occasion, it was like so clear to me that I fell into a trap. Somebody laid a trap for me and I walked, a few years ago, I walked straight into it. I didn't see it coming. And God works all things together for good. He helped me through it, but he didn't remove that trap. He didn't remove that snare. I walked into it. So, you know, so there are hidden dangers. There are hidden dangers. And in verse 5, he says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Those, those are open dangers. Those are open dangers. You know, so we're not in a war zone like the Ukraine, but we live in a fallen world. You know, you just have to get behind the wheel of a car. My word. You know, we pray God's protection upon us every day. Every single day we pray God's protection upon us. It's not something we just take for granted. And Chris has been working from home for almost two years. We don't, he doesn't go out on the road, but even around the house. We just need God's protection. I'm not saying going crazy now, and you know what I'm saying, but there's got to be a balance. But we, we don't just take it for granted. But in between those hidden dangers of verse 3, of that snare of the fowler, and in between verse and verse 5, where he talks about those open dangers, is verse 4. It happens like that sometimes. In between verses 3 and 5 is verse 4. And he says this in verse 4. It says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. And I love that analogy. I love that picture that, you know, that of, 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 of his wings, the softness of his wings and his feathers. And it reminds me of Matthew 23, 37. It's the account when Jesus laments over Jerusalem. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You know, God, as a mother hen takes care of her chicks, she wants to make those chicks feel warm and secure and safe. And this is what God is saying. He wants to gather us. He wants to protect us. He wants to keep us warm and secure. And to me, that just shows the tenderness of God the tenderness of God, that, he, that, that loving kindness, that ten, those tender mercies that God has for us, the love, the compassion of Jesus. So he goes on in verse 4, he says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. And then the next line says, His truth shall be your shield and buckler. A shield covered the whole body, but a buckler would be something that they would wear on their forearm and they would use it to protect their arms and use it as a defensive weapon as well. 
But I love the fact that God describes this as, as uh, he covers you with his feathers, he, he, under his wings you take refuge, but his truth will be your shield and buckler. It's your defense. All the ways of God are mercy, the softness, the loving kindness, and truth. And truth. All the ways of God are mercy and truth. Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. I will walk in your truth. And in fact, there's another Psalm 40 that says, Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. God will preserve us with his loving kindness, but also with truth. Also with truth. It's so important. We're going to end with Psalm 91. We're going to go to the very last bit of Psalm 91. Yes, we nearly finished. <laughs> Psalm, four, Psalm 91, verse 14. And I, I, I just want to, I, I want to encourage everybody, this week, if you haven't got a Bible, Google it, okay? Psalm 91. But take out verse 14. So we, we started in Psalm 91, spoken in the third person, then the, the writer of the psalm interjects and says, I'll, I'm, I'm going to say this about God. He's my refuge. I'm going to trust him. But we get to verse 14. It's God speaking. It's God speaking. And he's speaking this over you. That as you've done, as you've done his word, as you've dwelt in the secret place, as you've, as you've, as you've allowed him to cover you with his loving kindness, with his tender mercies, but then he comes to you with truth. As, you, as you've responded to him, as you've yielded to him, this is what God says to you. He says to you, and you can personalize this, and he says, because you, Margaret, Amy, Byron, Chris, Sandy, Denise, because you have set your love upon me, therefore I will deliver you. I will set you on high because you have known my name. You shall call upon me, and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I will honor you. I, with I will, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to end it there. We're just going to end it there. And I just, but I just want to encourage you this week, go and take Psalm 91 verses 14 to 16. Personalize it. Write it out in longhand. I do it all the time. I've got books and books of handwritten scriptures. But just write out. Personalize that psalm for yourself. Watch what God does. And so now, let's just close our eyes. We're just going to end the service. Let's close our eyes. And I'm just going to pray this over you, church. I'm going to pray this over you. Because you have set your love upon God, upon Jesus, God will deliver you. He will set you on high because you have known his name. You shall call upon him and he will answer you. 
He will be with you in trouble. He will deliver you and he will honor you and with long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you watch over your word to perform it. I thank you, Lord, that all your promises are yes and amen. That, Lord, as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, I pray over my brothers and my sisters today. Father, protect them. Father, deliver them. Father, honor them. You are true to your word. And so that every